Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We are coming to you with the Ravens officially in a playoff spot if the season ended right now for the first time in, I'm not sure how many weeks. It's been too long. Maybe ever. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I wasn't really looking at it back in like week three. (laughs) It it might have been since then that AFC is such such a log jam, but... As it stands, the Ravens, they took care of business against the New York football giants and had some teams lose that helped them as far as overall standings. Currently the sixth seed as things stand right now. Guys, this feels really great going into week 17. It's not over yet, but god damn does it feel good <laughs> seeing the the <laughs> I'll let me preface this. It doesn't feel good to see the steel to say that the Steelers came back against the Colts because you always want the Steelers to lose. I mean, come on, they're the Steelers, but you know, that was one scenario in which the Ravens could make the playoffs. They hit that. And then the Jets, man, Ravens North helped us out by beating the Browns as well. So that was kind of the second scenario that could force the Ravens into the driver's seat. Gosh, it was a, it was really good to see that this weekend. And obviously with the Ravens being able to beat the Giants, that was great. But one more week. We cannot overlook next week against the Cincinnati Bengals because we've been through this before. Ravens can't overlook those guys. But it certainly feels good this week. Yeah, we'll be talking about that game with our guests from uh, earlier in the season. Kind of talk about the progression of the Cincinnati Bengals, who definitely seem to be playing better right now. But that's not for this show. Let's talk about that wonderful first drive of the offense. Because I don't know who said it on Twitter, but I definitely felt the same way. After seeing that 8-minute, 13-play drive, score a touchdown, I was already scoreboard watching. I was like, all right, this game's a wrap. (laughs) Yeah, it was was one of those games where after the first quarter, first two quarters, it was just kind of like the Ravens are in control of this game. Unless the Giants had really put something together in the third quarter, it it was just they, they weren't really coming back from it. They got up really quickly. I mean, two scores, I think, in the first first quarter, I guess. Maybe the, the end They scored of the, the first quarter. three drives, and they had 17 points in the first right. three drives. Yeah, and uh, I think I think it was the uh, one of the announcers was saying, like, you know, did you ask John Harbaugh, like, what, did you have anything to complain about? And he was like, you know, I really would have liked to got that third touchdown versus a field goal, but other exactly. than that, like, literally everything was going well, so. Yeah, the first four possessions we scored, and – It would have been five straight if we didn't have the delay of game penalty on the kick by Tucker, where we then decided to punt, which, I mean, I'll just say it now, like, 56 yards? Come on. You know JT can hit that. I don't know why they didn't just do it. Just a flex. It's like it was intentional. But instead, they punted. They were very conservative. But yeah, the the first three drives were pretty great. Fourth drive, too. Not bad. Just... Such an efficient offense. Clearly, they had no answer. Love some of the schemes we saw. We'll get into that, too. But just the poise of that first drive, when you know Lamar Jackson, this offense is clicking, it looks unstoppable. Like, it, it reminds me of 2019, right? Like, that's what we saw. I mean, it's crazy. It's You kind of just wonder where they, this offense was in the midseason because when everything's clicking, they just make it look so easy. And... You can also say, okay, well, some of the competition the past couple of weeks hasn't been that great, but the Giants, we've talked about it last week, they're not among the best units in the league, but they're right under that. Like, this is a secondary with some Pro Bowl players, some stout defensive linemen up front, and the Ravens were able to dictate the pace of game on offense and have some long clock-chewing drives 
it really gave the Giants no chance to even get anything started on offense. And, you know, that team has a hard enough time as it is. When you chew up that much clock as they did in the first quarter, it put the Giants way behind the eight ball before they even had a chance to, to run a play. Yeah, I mean, I think the first drive was eight minutes or something. I mean, it's yeah. an extremely long drive. And major props to the Giants, too. I mean, you know, th- this wasn't, this is, a, I think, a different game than, like, let's say, like the Cowboys game a few weeks ago, where the Cowboys, they literally just did not have a scheme that was prepared for what they were about to see in the rough, rushing offense. I mean, they were gaping gaping holes for Lamar and company to to run through and by the time they got through it it was just it was game over with the Giants it was it was a lot more methodical the Ravens had to fight for every yard down the field but unfortunately that you know the Giants could get stops at like five or six yards but they couldn't get off the field on third down Um, so the drives therefore were, were very long and it took the Ravens a long time to get down the field but it also was a situation where the Ravens didn't look like they were struggling all that much to be able to get the yards Certainly, I think a different game, but you know, to your point, Peter, yeah, I think the Giants, they, they showed a little bit more, I think maybe on like a play-by-play basis, but overall, I think the outcome was still the same for the Ravens. I also think we shouldn't overlook the fact that the Ravens scored a touchdown on their opening drive. I was going to look back on, this, on the season before this episode, and I forgot to, but I think that, that kind of shows the point, right? We can't remember the last time this team scored an opening touchdown in a game and that's something they're definitely going to have to do in the postseason if they want to keep pace with uh a Kansas City Chiefs offense a Buffalo Bills offense who you know obviously you know, they got to actually get to the postseason first before we can really start talking about those hypotheticals but to have any shot against an elite offense you got to score touchdowns early and often yeah I think the really talk about that it comes down to the newfound efficiency in the run game you know we had a lot of chatter about how the run game wasn't working and i don't even want to like attribute it to ingram sitting at this point i think it really comes down to us finding the front five that we need to run with and also adjusting the scheme the scheme's not at all what we started off the season trying to do and we're seeing like some really cool play calls i'm loving seeing this pony backfield where they have both Dobbins and Edwards on the field at the same time. I think it gives you quite the dynamic threat. And it's different. You got more jet sweeps going on. You got different pool concepts that we're seeing uh, more of, so to speak. So it's just, uh, it's been a modified offense. It's not what we started with. And that's what we were calling for. But I thought it'd be different, right? I think when we lost Boyle, I was over here thinking that we had to abandon how he ran. But in fact, actually, that's when we started running the best. Not not because we lost him, but just because we we found a stride that worked. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's it, it's been awesome, right? It's just you know you you have guys like you know in these formations where you have Edwards, you know, is always an inside threat. He's very good at running between the tackles, and you know you have him, and then you have Dobbins in motion on these sweeps. It, it, it's funny that like Dobbins has been the guy now to be able to be put in motion and do these jet sweeps. We thought it was Duvernay early in the season, and he, he even had a play against the Giants where he, he ran for a couple of yards on third down, which was. A good play by him, but it's really Dobbins who is, is feasted on those outside runs. The just the speed and the balance that he has, just be able to make that one cut and go upfield. It's just, oh my goodness, it just adds like a, a whole nother layer to this offense. It's been absolutely great to see. Like you said, Alec, it's it's been really surprising. I think for me that just despite losing some of these great guys like Ronnie Stanley, Nick Boyle, you know, the guys that were absolute centerpieces to our offense last year, it's like we've 
somehow he found some other guys to be able to pick up the slack and, and still have a, a pretty efficient offense. I mean, I mean, crap, guys. I mean, can you can you think back to some of like the you know the early Flacco years and can you imagine if we had an offense like this? Like, even though things were good and like the Ravens were very very good teams at that point, the offense was nowhere near as efficient or as dynamic as the the offenses that we've had these last two or three years. Um, it's it's been it's been quite a uh, a welcome change of pace, I think. I mean, you really just need to go back to that uh, that Colts game this year. Like that, that felt kind of like <laughs> some of the offensive games that we were used to seeing. Not every week, but there was certainly more often than not the offense would find themselves in that type of situation. But I think Alec brought up a great point where we we kind of got away from talking about what the Ravens' new offensive identity was going to be with Boyle out because they just continued to keep running the football. And I think one of the reasons the Ravens are able to continue to do this is just obviously Boyle is invaluable with his blocking skill and what he's able to do from, you know, the tight end H back position. But the concepts of just of run blocking and and just the mentality of doing that, I think is is just hugely instilled throughout the lineup of guys here. I mean, one of the plays I think where that was most self evident, just anyone who's on the field is going to to run block was one of Dobbin's bigger runs of the game. I think this was in the second quarter where it was, it was the pony backfield and Dobbins was on Lamar's right side. And then he hand Lamar handed it off to Dobbins. Dobbins does a sweep off the left behind Gus Edwards and Gus Edwards had a huge block that really sprung Dobbins for, for ec- extra yards. That, that play was a first down. It might've been over 20 yards. It was a big run, but yeah, I mean, guys like Dobbins, Mark Andrews had a lot of big runs Miles Boykin continues to, to run block well. We've talked about he's struggling from the catching perspective sometimes, but he's always a good run blocker. So, yeah, I think just the, the team just continues to buy into, okay, maybe maybe they don't always want to run block, as we've seen from from some tweets this year, but they're, <laughs> they're going to do it if it gets them the win. <laughs> hey, Coach Evans says it best. I think in all of his videos in the upper left-hand corner, he starts it off and it says, no block, no rock. So I definitely think that is a uh, mantra in that locker room. And I even saw, um, you know, Hollywood Brown try to get a hat on a hat. One time he missed for sure. But, you know, other times I did see him, you know, block up and and, and able to spring some yardage. I do want to talk about some of these uh, read option plays. We were talking about how we were doing less of that at the beginning of the year. We're definitely using it way more now. But I think, interestingly enough... I saw three times that Lamar made the wrong read, in my opinion. And two times, Dobbins or Edwards saw the hole that Lamar should have taken, and they just made like furious cuts into it. And it was beautiful. And we still got the yards. So everything was fine. Right? But then, of course, one time, Dobbins got completely stonewalled. But if Lamar kept it, he had like nothing but daylight. He probably was going to get like 20 yards. It was like everyone crashed the middle. And if he went outside, it would have just been game over. Right? So definitely want to see that like a little bit more cleaned up. It seemed like he missed more than I remember him doing maybe in past weeks or, or last year, but it's hard to complain. I just wanted to point it out that almost more as a congratulatory or just like to acknowledge the vision that both Edwards and Dobbins have to see that adjust from their path and just make a one cut and go into that hole. Yeah. It's um it's, it's been great to see the, the growth of these guys. I mean, Edwards in particular I think you know gosh he's just like you know he had always been the sort of player you know he'd, he'd be two years ago would be like I'll be he'll be Mr. Reliable he'll get you four yards every time but that's about it 
you know, he could just like move those chains. Nothing flashy, but he did what he had to do and he didn't create negative plays. And that was kind of his mantra, man, for like the first like two years. Like he was he was good, but not great. Good, not great. But like this year, man, he's just had added so much more. And and the Giants game in particular, there were a couple of those plays where he had like you know, he had that one cut. I, th- I think it was the one that you mentioned, Alec, where he basically saw the cut that Lamar was going to take. Um, he ended up bouncing that run all the way back to the left after, I think it was originally a, a, a off-tackle run to the right. He ended up going all the way back left in a spin move and basically just <laughs> ran almost all the way for like, you know, 20, 30 yards. And you just, you, you don't expect this from a guy like Edwards who is always like, you know, HB ISO, like up the middle. <laughs> like, that, that's his play. That's that's what he that's what he's been doing forever. But you know, he's added so much more, you know, explosiveness and 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 moves to his repertoire. It's been it's been really great. You know, it's been this thing like the whole year. Like I know Alec, you've been clamoring for Dobbins and Dobbins and Dobbins and Dobbins, and, but like you know, Edwards is still giving them much more, and it's it's been it's been awesome. Oh, totally, one hundred percent here to say like. Edwards has really impressed me these last few weeks and he was speaking at the end of the game press conference and they asked him about this, you know, like we're definitely seeing more out of you. You're catching the ball more, you're doing more outside runs. And he was honest. He said, I mean, have you seen the guys I'm trying to run with? Like they're all so good. I had to like up my game in order to get playing time. You know, like these guys have pushed me to become my best self and it's super evident. I mean, the guy's just killing it. So much respect to Gus Edwards and the way that he's been able to improve his game year over year and, and specifically uh, the last few games where he just really looks good. And I, I mean, yeah, it's clear why, right? Like Dobbins got his first start. He was the, the lead back in the first play of the game. And the kid just had like extra burst, right? We always talk about his burst, but he looked extra fast yesterday. Just like, ooh, <laughs> fly out of those cleats, man. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, he didn't have too many breakaway opportunities. Like I said, the, the Giants, I think, did a good job of, of not having huge holes for them to run through. So I think a lot of the runs were definitely hard fought. But yeah, man, as soon as he would find even like the smallest crease, just cut that up and, and be able to get those extra yards. And he would fight for him too. I mean, heck, man, I think that one play that was a little bit of an injury scare, you know, hopefully Dobbins has ended up being okay, but he got walloped by one of the Giants linebackers and was somehow still able to keep his balance. He was, like, spinning out on his, like, one foot and still, like, you, you thought that maybe he got knocked out or something because it was such a hard hit, and he somehow was still able to keep his balance on the one foot while and then go back in and get, like, two or three extra yards. This guy is just insane, insanely good. It's just incredible what the Ravens are doing this year with with rushing. And it's what's crazy about it is the Ravens have always been known for having a rushing offense and finding running backs. And you have three players this year who are averaging at least five yards per carry. Five for Gus, 5.3 for Dobbins, and 7.4 for Lamar. It's They're just picking up where they left off last year. I haven't kept track of where they are as far as their total rushing yards for the season. I'm almost certain it's less than last year, but last year was a record, so... You're not going to replicate that, but it feels really good. It feels really good going into the postseason to have three guys who can rush the ball with the efficiency, and in the case of Edwards and Dobbins, just have that burst and power because in cold weather football, that's that's what you want. That's what's going to uh, help differentiate you when passing, it, it's harder to, to be as efficient in the passing game because it's colder and the ball's harder and it's harder to catch again the Ravens got to take care of business on week 17 but they're setting up 
to be really well prepared for for the postseason. And they did all of this with an injured offensive line this game. We saw that Makari got hurt. He started having some back issues. Hopefully he'll be available next week. But Scurra was able to come in, and although we did see a couple bad snaps that reminded us of the Tennessee game, or actually that was a that was a New England game. My apologies with all that rain. He was able to come in and still produce from a blocking perspective and keep us able to keep on running. So definitely want to acknowledge that. And we, then we saw Bredesen get some uh, significant snaps in as the sixth lineman in that situation. You know, the snaps that Scrow would normally get as a sixth lineman. Uh, we saw Bredesen come in and he, he was able to perform as well. They're always able to make it work. I think we, I forget if we said that or not, but we've remarked in the past that it just seems that second half of the season, whatever state the offensive line is in, the coaching staff is able to just figure out, okay, here's what we're good at. Here's what we have to kind of hide is what our weaknesses are and just have a game plan that can get the O-line to, to do what the offense needs to do to be able to, to run it as efficiently as possible. So kudos to the guys who had to step up as the next man up and kudos to the coaching staff there. Yeah, speaking of O-line as well, I mean, one thing that's probably good to acknowledge too, and I think the announcers were talking about it, is that, look, I mean, when Lamar did have to throw... And he did throw a couple of times. It's not like we were rushing the whole game. Lamar had a huge amount of time to be able to make some of those throws. I mean, he was standing in the pocket for extended periods of time, like above three seconds, five seconds, six seconds. Like he had a lot of time to throw. Um, And for a line that hasn't been super great at pass protection, um, major props to those guys, Uh, especially guys like uh, Fluker, who has probably been one of our weakest pass blocking uh, linemen. Definitely a lot of plays where he held up and, and things were kind of good. Definitely uh, shout out to those guys. And I think another thing to look at that was Lamar had that extra time and he was going through reads. There were a lot of plays, especially early, I noticed, where he was looking off the eventual guy he would throw the ball to. His head was on a swivel looking, okay, first read's not there. There's second read. There's third read. And despite the fact that he had that extra time, it looked to me like he was going through those progressions relatively quickly. So he was... He had that extra time, but he was doing it in a, in a manner so that if he didn't have it, he could still complete the play. And I think he executed that to perfection, as was seen by that final score. Yeah, I was just not along in agreement, Peter, because we definitely saw that. I think it was on the first drive. We had the pony backfield and it looked like there were probably two screens getting set up, you know, choice by Lamar which one made sense and they were actually both covered and then the pocket held up he maybe motioned out a little bit outside the pocket and then he delivered the ball to I believe it was Boykin for a nice gain and he had so much time right I think he probably had the ball for like four or five seconds in that play and I think another thing this offensive line has gotten really good at is that when they do start to give pressure they give it up in such a way to give Lamar an exit route to be able to extend so if they start to feel like they're losing their leverage they're able to lose it in such a way maybe that's like the scheme all along right like they know that that's the way to contain them where they kind of push their momentum one way but lamar knows this he understands the pass protection in order to find where the next hole will be so that he can stand in the pocket a little longer, try to find a pass downfield, which he did a couple times, or if they're all a man, <laughs> just run all over them, get 20 yards. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, you know, unless you're a team that has some very, very good front four. I mean, and this is true for any quarterback, right? If you're if you're playing any quarterback with defense, like, if you have a very, very strong front four, you can do a lot of damage, right? Because you're really collapsing the pocket around the quarterback and limiting the amount of options that they can go. They can't go to the left, they can't go to the right, they can't step up, there's nowhere to go. They're going to have to take that sack or throw it away, right? Um you know, but with a guy like Amar, he just amplifies that. So unless you really have some really good guys in your front four, like it doesn't matter if you've really good pass rusher coming around one side. If Lamar is able to see it and be able to start to move, most of the time he's be able to run out of it. Not all the time, but most of the time he's going to be able to run away from the pressure and get outside the pocket and hopefully move upfield for more yards. And so yeah, with the with the Giants, you know, they were doing fairly well at, at run defense but I, I think that they were a little bit more weak in sort of the, the pass rush department and you know Lamar was able to get those extended plays a lot of the time on Sunday I think before we move on to the defense we want to make sure that we're not remiss to not mention uh the work that was put in by the receivers uh not a huge volume day for the the wide receivers but I think Mark Andrews just put in another excellent performance from receiving standpoint I know that he had a chance at two touchdowns and neither of those were completed but both were defended very well by the Giants and the Giants I think really did a, a good job at making it hard for Mark all day but I mean there were several times in that game he put up uh, very aggressive uh, very athletic catches uh, including one that that got called back but I think another excellent day receiving from Mark Andrews Marquise Brown had another touchdown and so did Dez so I know we, we, that the rushing offense was huge in this win but can't forget to talk about the receivers as well. I'm comfortable calling him Hollywood now. I know he only <laughs> had four catches for 25 yards, but the touchdown was a pretty one. And I also saw that he embraced some contact this game. He actually did go upfield to get a couple more yards instead of just, uh, you know, taking the easy path uh, to less contact. So definitely starting to see some growth. Um, it's funny, too, because on that first touchdown catch of his, the first of the game, I saw that he was open for probably a half second before Lamar either saw or decided to throw it. And Lamar had to have extra touch, right? Because he was running out of daylight and it made it catch a little bit hard for Hollywood too, because he had to, to do a little bit of a toe tap, but it all worked out. And it was like almost like better that way. You know, they both, they both had to perform at a higher level because they took a little bit longer and they both delivered, you know, it was a beautiful pass. What maybe 15 yards downfield to the left, right? Or at least 15 air yards, maybe not quite that much because of the I think it was only a six post. yard TD yeah. yeah yeah but like the actual air yard maybe like 11 or whatever but yeah. anyways nevertheless got uh, a really nice pass you know to the left hand side again that's like Lamar's weaker side so I was really impressed with everything there yeah that was certainly a really nice play looked like some sort of like mesh sort of concept you had a receivers kind of running horizontally across the field and yeah it was just you know it was, it was great for the line to be able to protect Lamar uh, enough to be able to recognize that the, that option was open but I did want to say about Mark Andrews, um, so I don't forget this, but you know, I made the comment during the game of, of Mark Andrews is just like, he's Mr. Two-Minute Offense. He's just, he's so good at the two minutes. Like when Lamar needs to have somebody open and like you know he needs to pass, Mark is his guy 100%. Like he's always going to be looking for Mark every single time. And it almost seems like it doesn't even matter who's covering him. Like Mark is going to be open. <laughs> <laughs> you know ex except for the one you know touchdown pass where you know he was open it's just it was a very very hard play to make and the defender kind of like you know may have uh, obscured his vision a little bit to prevent him from bringing in the pass but Lamar's not afraid to throw to Mark Andrews 
and uh, it was very evident in this game. It, it kind of reminded me back to that Cleveland game, the second Cleveland game last year, where we scored 14 points, I believe, in like under a minute, where uh, like 90% of that drive, all Mark Andrews as well. Yeah, he's becoming an insanely critical point of the offense, uh, just for the reason that you just said there, Chris. I think that that's, that's a step we want to see Marquise Brown take as well, is to, is to be that reliable in the two-minute offense, uh, because then... Then if you got two of those guys, well, what's the defense going to do? You can't. Both those guys are matchup nightmares to cover. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he, it's just a magnet. Whenever the ball is in his direction, as we've talked about before, he does an excellent job at adjusting his route to find the soft spot in coverage, and he can out jump and just muscle his way to to the catch when he's covered. If he's going to have, if if not this year, hopefully it's this year, but in seasons to come, he's going to have some critical plays in big postseason matchups that's really gonna gonna make a name for himself yeah i think that one pass that uh that actually it was gus edwards who ended up catching it and oh which, yeah you know again surprised everybody because one he was able to catch the pass in traffic and then be able to stay in bounds cut up field and get an extra like 10 or 15 yards it was an amazing play by gus but part of me is also wondering if, if lamar is actually intending it to throw to him because mark <laughs> andrews was also in the area so, I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, whoever it was meant for, you know, Mark recognized like, okay, I can't get this ball, but what I'm going to do is help keep Gus in bounds so yeah. he can cut up field and get more yards. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whoever it was intended for, you know, credit to Gus and credit to Mark for the heads up play to, to help his teammate out. That was a, a really great uh, team effort. Yeah, Mark Andrews is one of those guys that is open regardless of what the defense is trying to do because he's just able to muscle his way to get that positioning that he needs there was a couple times where he was 100 percent covered right <laughs> but every every definition would be considered covered but he just he made the catch anyways and i also want to point out that we did see a little bit of marquise on that two minute drive he did get a nice catch and he went out of bounds which is an improvement over uh, a couple weeks ago so <laughs> yeah. yeah seeing progress <laughs> um not trying to hate it. it's just it's just funny like <laughs> Like it's little things like that, though. That's why I said I was I was comfortable giving him the Hollywood moniker back because even though we didn't see a deep bomb this game, we did see some little touch things, little details that um, are going to improve his game. I think one of the last things I wanted to talk about on offense, unless you guys wanted uh, to go back, is a little bit more of the resurgence of Duvernay. So this was actually the first game that the Ravens chose not to activate Prochet, so that Duvernay actually was in charge of both kickoff and punt returns. And we saw him really produce on the punt return side, had a little bit extra burst and had some really nice returns. And we saw him return to the offense with a couple touches, particularly on these jet sweeps like we talked about earlier. So is he out of the doghouse? He might be. I mean, if he, re- if he ever was, I don't think it made sense for him to be in there for the rest of the season because he's made uh, some plays when called upon this year. I do wonder if it was kind of like a numbers thing, if they're just kind of waiting for for them to feel as comfortable with him in the punt return role as they do with Prochet, because with with you now also having Dez on the roster, well now we're, we're starting to, to put a lot of uh, active roster slots to wide receiver. So if you can just have one guy handle both the kickoff and punt rather than two, well, there's an extra roster slot that you you can use on Sundays. I'm not sure if that's the case. That's just, just thinking about it, but... Yeah, I agree. Duvernay had a bigger role this week than he's had for a bit, and and he did a good job with it. Yeah, I mean, certainly he's been a guy that we can trust on special teams. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't think he was in... I don't 
necessarily think he was ever in the doghouse because if he was, I don't think he'd be playing special teams. <laughs> I mean, sure. that's Harbs is his big thing, right? But uh, overall, I mean, I think it's good. I, I think the. I think the key for Duvernay, though, is going to be figuring out how do we get him involved more than just, you know, these sort of scripted plays to him, right? I mean, he has been involved in a couple of these jet sweep plays, and I mean, that's fine. You know, it works every once in a while, but it's, I don't think it's something that we want to rely on exclusively. You know, we need him to, you need to see him run more, more routes and be able to have a couple more plays, not on these sweeps or, or little wide receiver bubble screens kind of thing. You know, and we have not seen that in a while. I, you know, the only notable play that I can think of where he ran a, a vertical route was that one pass that ended up intercepted. That hasn't happened in a while. So that might be by design. I'm not entirely sure, but it's always good to see him more involved. I do think it was interesting, though, that, you know, when you're talking about numbers game, Peter. So we actually, I think we had the same number of receivers this game, except for uh, Prochet, we activated Chris Moore instead. This is probably one of the first games this year that we've had him activated. Um, now, you know, Prochet would probably more likely be, you know, the returner versus a gunner. You know, maybe we wanted more to get back out there just to, you know, to see if he was ready to play a few more games. I, I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, I don't think that it's a really a knock on Prochet at this point. You know, at least from what we've seen. I mean, he's been pretty reliable at the punt returner slot, so. That is a good point. I did forget that it was Chris Moore who took Prochet's roster slot. Good catch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think Moore did, you know, Moore is, he's a really good gunner on special teams. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think he, maybe a little bit rusty, he didn't make as many tackles, I, I think, as he had hoped. He was a position for a lot of them, uh, but I think he just ended up, you know, failing to wrap up on a few of them, and he, he was mad at himself for, for doing that. When he's on, I mean, he's he's one of the better special teamers that the Ravens have on the roster. So I guess it doesn't surprise me that if he was finally healthy, that Harbaugh wanted to give him a shot and see, like, okay, you know, uh, are you ready to play or do we need a, a couple more weeks or are we just going to have to end up putting you on IR and, and we'll talk to you next year kind of thing? Yeah, if he's ready to play, I think it makes sense to play him over Prochet. As I, I mean, I like the young kid. I like his development so far. But it seems like Duvernay is really able to offer a lot of the same things in those roles. And I think one thing to point out, for Ravens fans that they haven't looked at the game books every week is that the Ravens are exceptionally good at using every single man on their roster. Very seldom on the active roster is there a player other than the backup quarterback who doesn't see action. Everyone has a role and everyone has like significant amount of snaps, which is why I think when Ingram only had that one starter snap that it was so surprising because you just don't see that from the Ravens. I, I say all that just to say that I do think we're going to see more Chris Moore this year as long as he stays healthy. And if we don't see it, I think it's because they're choosing to bolster their secondary, which might be a good transition into the defense, which, man, there were some times where that secondary was really thin, scary thin. Yeah, that is true. I think I want to start off, though, with talking about the good because as much as the offense was the reason the Ravens won yesterday, I think the defense made it easy for them to, at least in the first half, there was not much in the way of, of sacks or anything that was a, a play that looked like it was going to be result in the turnover to start with, but defense was not budging at all in the Giants' offense in the first half, and that really helped the offense build up that lead that was just insurmountable for the Giants once they were able to find some of a spark in that second half. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think it was the first drive on the Giants where the you know the Wink had a... Had 
two blitzes dialed up on back-to-back plays. And I think the Giants ended up with two false starts. <laughs> yeah. Ended the back in the third and 17. And then at that point, they couldn't convert. And, you know, it got off the field pretty quickly. All, all the, the classic Wink-Bartondale uh, schemes there of, like, you know, playing man as much as possible. Um, we're going to put as many guys as possible on the line and, and, and either blitz them all or, or you know, uh, feign a blitz or, you know, drop some guys back. A lot of that was on full display and, you know, uh, Giants just, you know, weren't able to, you know, didn't have the guys up there to be able to execute. You know, I believe, you know, we had, we ended up having, what, five sacks too? I mean, six. I, I think a, six sacks. Yeah, five yeah, players, was, six sacks. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty overall a pretty successful day, you know, if you're talking about the pass rush and, and just the blitz packages that Wink Martindale dialed up. Peter, did you listen to the broadcast this week? I still did not. I got to get my Bluetooth no, that's uh, it's okay because it's funny. Uh, one of the things they were r- ranting about is almost no coordinators do what Martindale does, where when they get up, they're just like, "Yeah, now sounds like a great time to blitz you like crazy." Like instead of lean back and let you get some easy yards, they're like, "We are confident in our guys. We're going to do cover zero and we're going to come after you every single play, and you're not going to know what like you're doing." And you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in Danny Dimes' eyes. He's looking around, darting around, you know, like, oh my God, there's so many people going to come at me. And, uh, you know, I definitely could tell like, just, just in his eyes, he was rattled and, and knew that the heat was coming. There's no amount of Omaha's that he could say to uh, <laughs> get him out of that jam. That was another tirade, too, is that the, the announcers were talking about what, what exactly Omaha meant. And it's it's not actually an audible, but it's just like a hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, it means all the calls are done. Yeah, I think they were they were talking about that for a good like five minutes. I think. Oh yeah, I mean it was, it was like they had a segment, you know, planned. They probably did. did. Didn't didn't Peyton Manning explain Omaha like a couple a couple years ago? He's like Omaha. It's it's a run play, but it could be a pass play. And other times it might be play action or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the real like I, they were saying in the broadcast, the Omaha is. Just like I finished all my sets, get ready. I'm about to like snap the ball, which then they went to bring it. They brought it back. It had a reprise later on in the game because they're like, oh, the Ravens have really keyed in on that Omaha. And like, that's how they know when they like jump. And we actually did have a couple false starts later in the game because I think that those guys ears were so pinned back. They were just like trying to, um, you know, get after the quarterback and get that little extra jump. And it's interesting when like, one note I made to myself is in, in future games, I want to watch and see, particularly when we get into a rhythm like this on, on pass rush to see if these guys like are definitely trying to jump the count. Sometimes it's really obvious, but other times it may be a little more subtle because uh, you know, that that's how they get these pressures, right? They need an, every advantage they can get. So it's usually a combination of either getting a good jump or just having a beautifully uh, you know executed stunt. We saw some of that uh, with Clayus Campbell getting a nice stunt and uh him and McPhee kind of collapsing in on uh Daniel Jones I mean uh there was so much good stuff in this game from a defensive perspective uh specifically in um both blitzing the quarterback and run blitzing oh the run blitzing was on full display as well I did note though I I wondered how well the the Giants watched tape uh this week because on the very first play they ran right directly into Derek Wolf and Brandon Williams. And that seems like the one thing you don't want to do when you're running <laughs> against the Ravens. That was like very first play did not seem very well scripted, but do you need tape for that? 
I feel like that's just like common knowledge. It's on, I, it's on, the, it's on the cliff notes. Then I guess I guess they didn't study at all, man. They they must have just thought you know the NFC East is so easy that it'll just fall to them. But I don't I don't even think that that's that's the case. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, again and again another great showing by the, the rush defense. The Ravens gave up 4.5 yards per carry, but only 54 yards in total. Actually, the Giants threw for 41 attempts, which is kind of surprising, I guess, but they were down so early. Maybe that was why, but you really can't complain about uh, the scheme that the Ravens had to stuff this. Not terribly intimidating, but, you know, they're still ineffective in some games, this rushing attack on the Giants. I think uh, to maybe wrap up this discussion of the line and, and their performance in both the run game and uh, generating a pass rush, I want to talk about Ward. We saw him activated again over Ferguson, and he yet again had a great game and produced. I'm starting to think going into this final game of the season and playoffs, we're going to see Ward activated and being the guy. What do you guys think? I think so. And I think it just kind of comes down to, we just talked about how you know the rush defense did so well in this game. And the pass rush did really well as well. But we've seen the Ravens have success against good rushing attacks this year. But from a defensive perspective, we really haven't seen them have a good pass rush against quality offensive teams. So I think it just comes down to we have more run stoppers on this team, which is what Ferguson really is right now, than quality pass rushers. And that's kind of the area of need. And that's just what I'm kind of seeing with why why Ward's getting more of the activation right now and why he would probably in the games to come. Yeah, I mean, I think the only variable for Ferguson being activated is just like how well he might perform at practice. But uh, but yeah, I, 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 overall, I, I kind of agree with you, Peter. You know, at this point, he's, he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. He's definitely not a great pass rusher at this point. And there are just, you know, too many guys at this point who are, you know, ahead of him on the depth chart to basically warrant him playing at this point in time. Especially with, you know, the past couple of weeks. I mean, Nagakwe's had a couple of sacks. He's He's been looking much better the past couple of weeks, I think. Uh, Judon, this game, also looked very good. Um, he's kind of been back. And then, you know, we know that uh, guys like Tyus Bowser, who have been very good in coverage and, and also good at generating QB hits. And I, I think it just makes sense, you know, unless there's an injury or unless one of those guys, you know, is you know, just not having a good day in practice or, you know, maybe the Ravens want like some extra run stuffers or something. Maybe if we're playing the Titans in the playoffs, you know, I, I hope he's got a, you know, a role in this team moving forward. I mean, I don't think he's been benched p- purely because of his own performance. I think it's more of just numbers. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't look into it. If if I, if I were to talk to Jalen myself, I'd be like, hey, man, like it's it's not your fault. You know, it's just a, it's a numbers thing. Like, you know, next year, because we have three guys who are going into free agency on your position group, like you'll definitely be back next year and have hopefully a more uh, significant role. <laughs> yes, either that or I wouldn't be shocked if he's a good trade candidate. It might be a good way to recoup a later round pick is to trade him to another team. And because uh, we already know that we only have five draft picks in this upcoming draft because we gave a third to Ngakwe and uh, either the sixth or seventh, I believe the sixth, uh, in the trade to the Steelers with Wormley. I do actually have one more note about the defensive line, and that is something that Chris first pointed out, and then it just became evident. Justin Adekbuke is going to be the real deal, guys. And I just had a hunch about it when he was drafted and he was sobbing, and he just seemed like a guy that was really appreciative of 
the opportunity he was going to be given and he was going to make the most of it. And man, in some of his first action as a, a rookie defensive alignment, he's already guarding double teams. He's getting quarterback hits, pressures, first sack. I think the kid's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, the early returns on this is another excellent mid-round selection by the Ravens. Uh, you really like it. And, and the Ravens, this is a position the Ravens needed to find because we talked about how this starting defensive line is looked really good going into the year, and they've played really well when they've all been uh, healthy. But Wolf, Williams, and Campbell are all 30 or over, so the Ravens really need to find young guys to who have, who are who's going to form that that nucleus of the defensive line going forward and Matabuke is is looking like he might be the anchor going forward. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he brings next year. Hopefully we have a, a full off season and you know uh in camp and everything and uh, I I can't, I can't wait to see what what the future has in store for this guy. I certain I, I you know what I, I'm just I'm really hoping I'm crossing my fingers that he doesn't turn out to be like a Willie Henry. Willie Henry was really good for that one year and then after that phew, just like nothing. So I'm really hoping that Madubuke like from what we've seen so far is is going to be a better player. You know, who, who knows what his ceiling might be, but uh you know, he's he's got you know, he's super violent on the line. He's he's quick. Um, he's he's just tenacious, man. Uh, I really like watching him play. I, I really want to spend more time, I think, watching him on some of the film. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited. All right, so with all that discussion on the performance of the defensive line and the rush defense, I guess we do have to get to discussion of the pass coverage and just some of the injuries that had to be overcome in this game. I think overall, the, the pass defense did a good job, but even though... It's Daniel Jones. I think you do have to be slightly concerned about 252 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions given up to a guy who's who struggled mightily all year. A lot of it came in garbage time, but I do agree. I was telling somebody, you know, you have your fourth string. At one point in the game, you had your fourth string and two guys that literally were not on the roster until after the bye week as your, your three cornerbacks out there. Okay. <laughs> you know, like... You kind of have to adjust your expectations when you have something like that. And I think, given all that, they looked pretty darn good. Averitt got picked on a couple times. He, cut, he made a couple really big plays. I mean, early on, I was like, man, this might be an MVP right here. Like, he's playing really well. Then he got picked on in, the ha- in like, the middle half. But his third act, you know, he had a good third act. He came in strong, and, and I think he had a couple more good pass defenses. And, gosh, I just, I just want everyone to come back healthy. I don't think we're going to see... Jimmy Smith, unless the Ravens make the, the playoffs, I think he's going to be shut down yet again next week. That's my uh, my hunch. We'll see about Peters. I mean, they're definitely playing some games with his injury status. You know, coaches lie, <laughs> and Harbs is no exception. Because, I mean, at the end of the last game, he's like, oh, you know, he was a game-time decision. He was close. If he's close, there's no way he should be missing the next game, and he didn't practice all week, and he misses it. Not close. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't you know. It's <laughs> the biggest freaking lie I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah certainly if if the Ravens if the Ravens make the playoffs uh they certainly want both those guys back healthy I think you know overall the position group just plays a lot better when you have all three of those guys on the field I mean they're just so good at man coverage which is what Wink Martindale wants to do yeah um with a lot of these other guys of like you know I I know Peters likes to play off a little bit but you know because he's so good I think he's be able to cover ground and and be able to make a lot of plays on these balls but with some of these other guys like you know, Averett likes to play off a little bit, and Tremont Williams likes to play off a little bit, and I mean that's fine. 
you know, but it just means that we're given a lot, a lot of the underneath stuff and then occasionally some stuff over the top. Just not able to, you know, uh, attack some of the receivers like the the top three guys are able to. So yeah, certainly going into the postseason, we're hoping. My fingers are crossed, man. Like I, I hope that those guys can come back, especially Jimmy Smith. He was playing so well before, you know, all these injuries finally caught up to him. Which, you know, gosh, you sound like a broken record, man. It's just like his entire career. It's so unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Alec. Though, if if just like we're dealing with some of these guys that haven't even been on the roster for more than like a month or two. You know, overall, like you know, things could be a lot worse. I mean, you can you can pick any defense around the league. Hell, man, pick pick like the the Vegas Raiders. Like some of their cornerback play God. was just against the Dolphins was just absolutely atrocious. Like I have no idea how you let up like that that play by Miles Gaskins. I'm just like it was some of the worst safety play I've seen ever. I'm just like, how do you guys let that up? You have like four guys around a tackle and you can't even catch this guy. It's just. We don't have that, all right? We're not that level of bad, all right? Our guys are okay. They're just not up to the standard of what we're expecting, which is our starters, right? They're they're not locking down guys every single play. So it's okay, but obviously, you know, when we're playing better teams and if we're playing closer games, we'd like to have all of our guys on the field if possible. Personally, I feel like Jimmy, I'm totally fine if he doesn't play against the Bengals. I think it's okay. Peters, I hope he's close. Because I do feel like the Bengals have some weapons. Boyd may week. be playing. <laughs> yeah, Boy, Boyd may be playing. T. Higgins obviously there, and A.J. Green obviously is still there, and he's been kind of picking up uh, a little bit where, where where Boyd has been injured. So um, it would be nice to have some more weapons to be able to match up with those guys because the Bengals, I'm sure, we'll talk about it next episode, but they like to play the spoiler for the Ravens, and we need to make sure that, that doesn't happen. On that note, do you want to do MVPs? Yeah, we'll do MVPs. I'll go first. Um, I'm going to give mine to Matt Judon. I thought he had a heck of a game, man. We definitely saw a lot of, of things that we don't usually see from him in terms of the pass rush. I think the one sack that he had, he showed incredible bend to be able to get around the edge. Um, it's not something you really see super often from him, but gosh, it was really nice to see. Um, and he was a very significant part of the pass rush this week. I, I will say, too, I don't think he got that false start. I thought that he timed the snap and... I thought maybe the refs were a little bit uh, a little bit quick with that flag, but uh, you know, regardless, it, it, it ended up not mattering anyway. But Judon, uh, I thought he had a pretty good game, so uh, I'm going to go with him. Yeah, it's kind of tough to to pick in this game. I feel kind of like some of the games. I, it feels like this. Is, we keep saying this at this section: team wins. Yeah. Everyone you said last well. week. <laughs> I was <about> to say <laughs> right, but I I I want to give mine to. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I think, like we said, he really set the tone on that first drive with how he was going to play throughout the game. Uh, 77 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. He had a great game. He's really picking up juice and is looking like he was a great pick by the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins gets mine for this week. Great pick, Peter. That wasn't going to be my pick. My pick is Mark Andrews. He was kind of in the wilderness for a little bit there. He wasn't quite getting the production that we were used to seeing. And uh, then he had COVID, which was, uh, you know, super scary and, and concerning given his uh, diabetes um, history and his overall concern about the disease. But then he came back and he's been a center point of the offense. It's like it's like him and Lamar, man. We're like hanging out, you know, I mean, maybe virtually, obviously, with during COVID. And they're just figuring out how they're going to reincorporate their game because they both came back better than ever and really have started to dominate. So want to give mine to Mark Andrews. Honorable mention 
I actually, Peter, if I went first, I would have said Gus Edwards over Dobbins because as much as I love hitting the Dobbins drum, Gus Edwards has really impressed me the last couple of weeks. He definitely has a place in this offense. And uh, I hope he's able to get that ring this year because I'm kind of concerned, to be completely frank, about him coming back next year. We'll see. But I think there's a lot of teams that could benefit and be willing to pay him more money. So maybe we'll get a pick out of it, you know, a benefit, so to speak. But yeah, Gus Edwards is uh, he's definitely making a name for himself around the NFL. Yeah, full disclosure, I was really going back and forth between giving it to Dobbins or <laughs> Edwards, but I, I just had to give it to Dobbins because he had the touchdown. I know Edwards was so close. He was so close, but Poor didn't fumble. quite do it. Yeah. It was credited to Lamar, though, interestingly yeah. enough. yeah. But, I mean, he also had he had two more opportunities before that to get in, and he didn't quite make it. But still an excellent game by him, and I think that uh, if he does get another – well, he's going to get a big contract, whether from the Ravens or somewhere else. And when he does, I think he's got a uh, got a. He think he owes Mark Andrews a nice, uh, expensive steak dinner uh, for <laughs> Andrews allowing him to put that that catch on his highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, with that, we're going to end this episode of Ravens Recap. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Appreciate all the comments we've had on Twitter lately, and uh, make sure to follow us, Ravens underscore Recap. We're about to start our next episode with our friend from the previous Bengals episode and talk about how their team's kind of changed. I think it's a different team than we saw last time. And uh, they've lost some players, but they're also playing better. So a lot of interesting insights for this team, not just for Week 17, but for weeks to come. Make sure to tune in.